0: so totally rock, squirt! So give me some fin. Noggin.
1: Dude. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am sportslogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting, as always, live from the Helmet Sunday Museum in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. We're talking today about the Daytona Tortugas, who are one of the most popular brands in the minors. Really fun, really great color palette, just a terrific identity overall. And I'm very pleased right now to be joined by the team's general manager, Jim Jaworski, who has been with the team for for 12 years. I should start by saying thank you for being here. I very much appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, for sure. One of the things that I want to talk about that the Daytona Tortugas are absolutely representative of is it's just better, objectively, scientifically speaking, it is better for a minor league baseball team to have a unique nickname rather than being named for their parent club. Now, I know you worked for the team when they were the Daytona Cubs, but what do you think? Better to have a unique nickname?
0: I agree. Um, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly uh, because it it creates the team and it creates the community and, and teams are able to have their own identity, right? Now, to your point, you know, the Cubs were here for 22 years and, and for 22 years it worked, right? And, you know, and, and we, I think, were a little bit different in the sense where, you know, we had our own identity, right? We had the same name but we had a different logo and we had a little bit of a different color scheme. So there was that connection without being the exact same, right? But when we had this opportunity going into the 2015 season, um, it just made sense to have our own identity. It made sense to to do our own thing. And then one of the main goals as we've discussed previously was how can we tie this into the community? Mm -hmm. and, And how can we be different while still tying it into the community, right? And oh, by the way, all the things that you mentioned from a color standpoint, from a uh, a logo standpoint, um, everything just came together so, so beautifully and have continued to, you know, to make adjustments and reintroduce the new logo a couple of years ago. And, you know, we'll continue to keep things fresh, um, but still within our own identity. So um, it's different, um, right? But you know, yeah. Having your own identity is, is pretty cool too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that minor league baseball does so well is being hyper-local and hyper-appropriate to the community. I'm going to talk to Dan Simon next about the particulars of the the logo itself, but can you tell me why Tortugas is, is so appropriate to the Daytona community as a name and a brand?
0: Sure. So obviously where we're located from a a coast standpoint, right? Um, I mean, the ballpark is, is less than a mile away from the beach. Um, Volusia County, um, you know, much like other counties, but, but specifically Volusia County, um, has a large, large sea turtle population. Um, and nesting season also ties in with, with our baseball season. So uh, there was a lot of synergy there. Um, oh, by the way, as you, you look across all of sports, right, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, um, you know, hockey, you know, the list goes on and on, right? There's not a whole lot of, of turtle mascots. Mm-hmm. So, so that check that box, right? So you have the community aspect, you have the community tie-in, and then you have really the rest of the country and the rest of sports where there's not a whole lot of, of, of turtle mascots. So those were the two check marks that said, okay, the third being from a color standpoint, right? Um, you know, that we're at the beach, we're in Florida, um, you know, so what makes sense And and those three things just kind of came together. Um, There were some other options that we discussed and that we talked about, Um, you know, obviously two of the the main things that Daytona Beach is known for, uh, besides the beach, of course, um, you know, racing, of course, our Mm -hmm. friends, you know, just down the street at the Speedway, um, you know, bike week. And, you know, those are, are, are two great things and great events that happen here in Daytona Beach. But for, again, for the same reason that we just talked about is for us to, to be our own identity and, and for us to have our own thing while mm-hmm. still tying into the community. So, um, yeah, like I said, there were some other ideas that we discussed, but at the end of the day, um, it was a pretty easy decision.
1: Where you all, you must have been watching carefully the uh, Beloit snappers rebranding and, and losing <laughs> one of the, the turtle logos that was out there.
0: <laughs> and we're we're great friends with with Beloit, you know. Yeah. You know, turtles have to to stick together, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, but yeah, love their their new identity and um, you know what what that group has been able to do, and um, you know they're a great group, and and yeah, so we we definitely built a, a relationship with those guys, and, and a relationship that will will continue for sure. Yeah,
1: well, and I'll I'll certainly be talking with Quinn Studer and and the the Sky Carp, the the now Beloit Sky Carp. I actually went to a uh, Beloit Snappers game. I have not been to Jackie Robinson Stadium to see a Tortugas game yet. But when I went to a Beloit Snappers game, I have a dark green Daytona Tortugas hat that I wore to that game. And I think I just blended right in. I don't think people realized that I was wearing a different turtle. So um...
0: all in the family,
1: right? (laughs) (laughs) So Speaking of, of the team colors, and now that we're, we're talking about hats, you knew I was going to bring this up as we're talking right now. People can't see it, obviously, because this is an audio medium. But I am wearing the long-awaited lime green dad hat with the, uh, the Tortugas logo that has the, the sea turtle swimming through a capital D, holding a baseball bat, and the, the cap itself is, is lime green. And this goes back. I, you know I'm not going to claim sole responsibility for the existence of this cap but I, I have been one of the people on Twitter who has been advocating for this hat. I saw it uh, in, in different forms. I saw it in the, you know, the fifty nine fifty, I guess. And, and I've seen it, you know, in, in like your, your helmets that you serve nachos or whatever. In. And, and I thought, Holy smokes, I could, I would love that hat as a dad hat. And for, for a brief flash after, I mean, literally, I mean, Jim, you know, more than a year, right. Like of, of back and forth on Twitter with your social media team about, you know, sort of laughing about like, Oh, I wish there was a lime green dad hat and, and that your social media team was saying, oh, well, we're checking with our GM. It's a possibility. We're trying to make it happen. Finally, it happens. Limited run, I guess, because I got on it right away and I'm wearing the hat now. But later that afternoon, there were people on there saying, you know, saying, oh, I tried and I couldn't get it. There were, you know, a handful of, uh, of my Twitter friends were trying to get this. So hoping for, uh, you know, more lime green dad hats in the future.
0: I agree. You know, we listened, right? And, and Paul, you, you were right. Um, you know, so, you know, and that goes back to the colors, right? And, and to have those options, um, you know, to your point, you know, we brought in, um, you know, a gray one, um, you know, we brought in the dark green one, as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, kind of testing the waters, right? But but we listened, and and yeah, unfortunately, it, it was a, a a bit of a smaller run than what we would have normally had. So, um, you know, we're working on bringing it back, and then bringing it back at a bigger quantity in 2022. So, you know, when you're right, you're right, Paul. You know? so it, it just it works out for sure.
1: Uh, I love it. Well, next, I'm going to start advocating for for the ice cream helmet in the lime green. You know, just like this yeah, version okay. of the. <laughs> but the, I mean, I think that that speaks to. I mean, you're talking about the colors. You're talking about the logo. Obviously, this is a popular brand. People really like it. I think that is in large part because sea turtles in general are they engender goodwill, right? Like people like sea turtles, they want to protect them. Like you say, you're near the nesting area, there's all sorts of conservation work being done. The colors are great. The colors are, are I think, unique in minor league baseball uh, that, that Dan came up with, Dan Simon came up with in, in creating this brand. Do you have, are there, are, there, are there sort of further things that you attribute the, the popularity of, of this brand, this logo overall?
0: Well, and I think, you know, but to your point, which I think is 100% true, there's people who just like turtles, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, just like there's people who, who like dolphins or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? So, and, and then there's that, there's that connection. Um, so, so not only is it, is it about turtles, which is 100% the case. But then it's also about baseball. And, mm-hmm. and you know, here those are, are two pretty cool things. Um, and then to your point that that it's more than just a logo. And it becomes, you know, a, a couple of years ago, we started a Tortugas Care Foundation. Well, the, the two goals and two main objectives of that foundation is, of course, youth sports, specifically baseball, right? But then also sea turtle conservation, because that's something that we can do whether it's, it's beach cleanups, whether it's working with the Marine Science Center here locally, um, you know, different organizations, um, you know, sponsoring and taking care of, of turtle nests and, you know, going to do uh, beach cleanups or whatever the case may be, um, there's things that we can do as a result of our identity. There's things that we can do as a result of the community that we're in. And, and so it doesn't just become a logo, although it is our logo, it is our identity, it's all of those things but then it's also things that we can continue to do here in the community. We could have done those things anyway, but, but it makes you know, more sense and it's tied in with, with who we are as an organization.
1: Well, I think it's amazing that you do that. The, uh, the work that you do working for sea turtle conservation, I'm, you know obviously it's relevant to, to your brand, but it's also so important to your community. It's a
0: pretty cool thing, especially, you know, for what everyone has been through, you know, in 2020 and, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems like the past, you know, two years. But um, and that was a large part of it, too, to continue to to be in the community, to continue Mm -hmm. to be active, to, you know, just because we didn't have baseball. Sure. We went anywhere. Right. Yeah. That ties into the logo. Right. Because it's that word that we think about a lot, which is community. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's what it's about. And, and that's all across minor league baseball. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what makes us, I think, and, and not, that, not that it's not major league baseball, but uh, you know, that's what makes us a little different as well. So
1: it's different uh, in the minors. I really believe that, you know, I've, I've been watching uh, the Bowling Green Hot Rods and their general manager, Eric Leach in light of the, the tornadoes just offering, sure. you know, they're offering their sweets up for, for space, for offices, local offices for people who need to relocate. And they're just, you know, they're, I said on Twitter, as soon as it happened, I said, just watch, just watch minor league baseball teams step up and, and be part of this recovery from these tornadoes. And, you know, I think that, like you say, it's, you're, you're part of something bigger than just being a sports team. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, kudos to you guys. I've always loved that part of, of your story. It's one of the reasons in the book that I wrote, the story behind the nickname is just a collection of articles that I've written for sportslogos.net about uh, minor league baseball teams and the, the origins of their brands. But my author photo at the back of that book is me wearing a different Daytona Tortugas cap on a beach in Florida, right near a roped off uh, sea turtle nesting area. And there was some educational materials there about the sea turtles and I like this brand enough. I like sea turtles enough that, you know, I chose that photo as my, you know, here's me on the beach near a turtle nesting area. So it creates a strong emotional connection. And, you know, it's a, it, it's a terrific foundation for a brand. And I think people liked it right away. And so, uh, you know, there, there's this arc in minor league baseball of, you know, whenever you change your logos, it's like, you know, this sort of nostalgia for the old logo, the we're, we fear change, that's too wacky, that's too different. Did you have that arc when you rebranded as the Tortugas or did people embrace it right away?
0: No, I would say for the most part, people embraced it right away, right? I mean, as we mentioned before, 22 years is a long time. And, and there's a lot of people who grew up here in, in Volusia County, who that's all they knew was, mm-hmm. was the Daytona Cubs, right? And, you know, when we had the opportunity, um, you know, to rebrand, it's, it's all about, and for teams throughout the country, which I think have done a, a phenomenal job, you know, across the board, because that we're all about the same things. We're all about how can we tie into our community and, and what is meaningful to the community that we're in, because that's what makes them all different. And, and that's what makes them all special, unique, and, and all of those other things. And, and I think, you know, uh, oh, by the way, that they're different and, you know, all of those other things and, and good logos and colors and, and schemes and jerseys and the list goes on and on as you're as you're very well aware so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was different, right? Because it was different. And, mm-hmm. you know, because we had the, the same, at least name, although the logo had changed, as we mentioned, but at least the same name for 22 years. So yeah. I would say there was a little bit of that, but, but not much. And, and the fact that, you know, we changed the, the colors in the ballpark a little bit to made it, make it a little more lively or make it a little more beachy, a, a little more Daytona. Oh, by the way, it tied in with our logo. Uh, was, was certainly a win-win across the board, um, and have continued to to see that and and hear that, um, and thank you for your you know obviously support um, you know not only for the team but but also for for sea turtles as well because as we mentioned that's a that's a pretty cool thing.
1: One of my favorite activities, not related to baseball, is snorkeling. I would. I would snorkel all day every day if they let me. And one of my favorite moments was snorkeling with sea turtles in Hawaii. And, wow. and I also got the chance to do that in Puerto Rico. So I've been I've been sort of lucky with work travel in my lifetime. So getting getting to snorkel with sea turtles was just one of the most peaceful, amazing, experiences i've ever had right like and you know you you keep your distance there's there's strict rules in place about about how you go about it you are not to disturb them at all you're not supposed to follow them i mean obviously you you know this better than i do i live in colorado right and i'm telling you about (laughs) snorkeling with with sea turtles um so uh, but anyway yeah i mean i just you know I've, i've just always loved them as animals and so i saw this brand and i you know i took to it right away I'm a firm believer and listeners of this podcast who who know my work already will know that I am a firm believer that minor league baseball teams with successful brands have unique brands uh, that are not based on their parent clubs and certainly not named after their parent clubs. And I think this is an example of that, right? Like this has reached, you know, your focus was on, on the local market and uh, and something that was extremely appropriate to Daytona in particular. But because of that, you created this genuine thing that now has this, this far reach that I'm, I'm an example. I have never been to Jackie Robinson Ballpark, but I desperately want to get there. And not just because of the photo that you have as your Zoom background right now, which is <laughs> an aerial view of the ballpark with the ocean behind it, which is just killing me. God, I, I mean, it's, it's as we record this right now, it's December in Colorado. And I'm like, man, I, I would love... I would love to be there right now. So anyway, it's I mean, creating this hyper-local brand led to this very successful brand that now has a reach that extends beyond your local market, which is I think how how this works, right? Like it's how it works. And kudos to you guys for you know figuring it out. There is another piece of of conservation work that you have done at Jackie Robinson Ballpark. And this relates to Jackie, the stadium cat, who I was following closely on Twitter, and and I'll let you tell this story here, but just to sort of set the stage, a year or so ago, we started seeing photos and videos on Twitter, was it you or was it someone else who you work with who was trying to feed and take care of this cat that seemed to be abandoned under your stadium, I'll let you take the story from here
0: yeah so it was in 2020 and, and we all know you know what what baseball and, and specifically minor league baseball was like in 2020 so um, yeah we started to notice there was uh, there was some cat activity around the ballpark um, you know and obviously with not having much uh, although we had quite a bit but not nearly as much as we would have normally uh, you know activity at the ballpark um, there wasn't a whole lot of you know people there wasn't a whole lot of, of noise or you know anything else so, uh, we started noticing that was a there was a cat around, um, you know, which happens, right? You you turn on Sports Center, you see you know animals running through a, a field or <laughs> you know yeah. whatever else all the time, right? Um, so we're like, okay, well, you know, maybe just stop by. Well, then day after day and week after week, the the cat was made Jackie Robinson Ballpark is it's home. So um, yeah, we started feeding it, and pretty much it was a, a staff effort, um, you know, started feeding it. Uh, then there was another cat that that came in the mix. Um, we started to host more and more events and, and do more and more things at the ballpark. Um, so what ended up happening is, is we reached out to one of our local partners, um, was a vet partner, um, and the goal was, was to find Jackie a forever home, um, which is through the help of the vet, and, and they made sure that um, you know, Jackie was healthy and, and you know, all those other things that, that Jackie needed from, from that standpoint. Um, and then, yeah, through them and through the partnership, we were able to, to find Jackie a forever home. So, um, you know, we did as much as we could. We took care of him as much as we could. Um, and then ended up, uh, yeah, finding his his forever home as we started to have more and more events and, and do more and more things at the ballpark. So. Um, so, yeah, one, one more thing that, you know, kept us uh, occupied in, in <laughs> here at the ballpark.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, and I'm, I'm really glad to learn because I was a little hesitant to ask because I, I noticed that I had stopped seeing <laughs> videos and pictures of Jackie. And I thought, oh, God, a turtle got him. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm glad to hear that Jackie has his, his forever home. Obviously, Jackie, the stadium cat, is named after Jackie Robinson Ballpark, Jackie Robinson Ballpark. Can you tell me the, the connection to, to Jackie Robinson himself?
0: Yeah, so on March 17th, 1946, um, you know Jackie Robinson played right here. Um, at the time, City Island Ballpark, um, you know, here in Daytona Beach. Um, He was a a spring training, you know, exhibition-type game. Um, He wasn't really uh, able to play anywhere else, uh, you know, especially here in in Central Florida. Um, Mary McLeod Bethune, the founder of of Bethune-Cookman, was was very instrumental um, in, in working with the Dodgers, working with the city of Daytona Beach, um, and, and, yeah, it's a huge, huge part of history, um, you know, not only baseball history, uh, but, but society, um, and especially here in, in Daytona Beach. And, um, you know, that's something that, um, you know, we take as, as our job to continue to tell that story. Um, the ballpark is on the National Registry of Historic Places um, and was renamed Jackie Robinson Ballpark in 1989, um, and, and pretty, pretty special um, to, to be able to, to call Jackie Robinson ballpark our home um, and, and to be able to, to continue to, to tell that story. Um, it's pretty incredible, um, yeah. you know, the, the history and, and everything that's here at the ballpark. Um, and, and now to be able to continue to, to do those things um, is also pretty special
1: such a great and an important story. And I, you know, I love that it's part of, of your franchise's history. And, you know, I love that you've incorporated Jackie Robinson's name right into your ballpark. So again, kudos to you guys for doing it right. So I I can't wait to get to a Daytona Tortugas game in person to to share a helmet Sunday. Well, we'll each have our own helmet Sundays, but to sit down (laughs) with you and and have a beer and a helmet Sunday, probably not at the same time and, and take in a game at that beautiful ballpark. I will wear some of my many items of Daytona Tortugas paraphernalia that I keep buying from your team store. I keep buying them like like one at a time too. Like it's never let me buy five things at once. It's always this, this little drip campaign. But Jim, you know, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the work that you guys are doing for Sea Turtles and for minor league baseball. Before I let you go, where, where can people find you and the team online and on social media?
0: Yeah, just about anywhere, right? Daytona Tortugas Professional Baseball on Facebook, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter, um, which, which I know you do as well, Paul, um, you know, Instagram, website, uh, you know, all those good things. And and I tell you what, as, as you know, before, there's always an open invitation, Paul, to, to come down to Daytona Beach and Jack Robinson Ballpark. But, you know, maybe we'll do a beach cleanup in the morning, then, you know, catch a game at night, have a... Uh, you know all the the fine eats around the ballpark, and always an open invitation. So uh, appreciate the time here today, and um, yeah, look forward to, to seeing you at the ballpark.
1: That sounds like the most amazing day—a uh, a, a, the beach cleanup, and then a ballpark, a, a game at night. That sounds sounds perfect. I love it, uh, Jim. Thank you very much. As I said, we're going to speak with Dan Simon next about the logo itself. Thanks very much, and best of luck in the off season, getting ready for twenty twenty two. Thank you. I'm very happy to be joined now by Dan Simon of Studio Simon, one of the premier names in minor league baseball logo design. It's hard to name all of the the great ones that you've created. The Daytona Tortugas is certainly one of them. First of all, Dan, hello. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to uh, be talking with you today.
1: You created the logo for the Daytona Cubs which was a good logo in spite of the fact that, you know, the team was named for its parent club, which you know that I object to on principle. And that logo was fairly short-lived when the team was forced into having to create a new identity because they changed uh, parent clubs. So thus was born the Daytona Tortugas. Can you tell me as the designer, what, you know, what were you charged with when the team came to you, you know, finally creating a unique brand for, for this team?
2: Well, the when the team came to me, they had some ideas already regarding where they wanted to go with with the name change that that they had to change. Now that they were no longer affiliated with the Cubs, uh, they had to change their name and and in turn their their visual identity. And uh, the ideas they came to me with were sea turtle related. The the two particular names they were thinking of were loggerheads or leatherbacks. Those are two of basically the three kinds of sea turtles that you'll find um, on Daytona Beach from May through October during sea turtle breeding season. Uh, And frankly, loggerheads and leatherbacks, those are pretty good names in and of themselves. Uh, But when they, and by the way, one of the other directions they, they seem to have honed in on was, um, was racing. Daytona obviously is known for Daytona Speedway. But even before the Speedway was built, the hard-packed sands on Daytona Beach were used for, for motorcycle and automobile racing right on the beach. Um, and then there was a raceway on the beach and then later the, the International Speedway that they, that they built. Um, so those, those were the, the main things they were considering. Um, they were leaning towards the sea turtle direction because, frankly, sea turtles makes for a better identity in minor league baseball than racing necessarily would. Um, who doesn't like turtles? Seriously. So, uh, and also, there's you you'll have racing themes in with professional sports teams. Um, not a lot of turtle themed teams with it in professional and collegiate sports you do have a minor league team the or I should say it's past tense you had a minor league team the Beloit Mm -hmm. Snappers who have since been renamed um and then you've got the University of Maryland Terrapins and after that uh you know what there's there's a collegiate summer league team named the Springfield Sliders so there's that might be Those are the three turtle-themed identities I can think of. Whereas there, there are a lot more basic-themed identities. So,
1: yeah, um, there's also Dan, if I can, if I can interject. You have the Pulaski River Turtles uh, in the Appalachian League now, who uh, their turtle inexplicably, and I know that those these logos, uh, most of the logos in that league were developed by Major League Baseball, including the River Turtles. Whose turtle is sliding into home plate from the backstop, sliding into home plate from the background. Uh, So, uh, hoping someday to get that rectified. Maybe that will make that sort of an agenda of this uh, podcast.
2: Well, here's what happened the turtle missed home plate (laughs) from third base, and the catcher had not yet tagged it, and it then slid back from having after passing home plate slid back into home plate and was called safe so
1: see this is the the vision from one of the best minds in graphic design uh in minor league baseball to to, to finally come up with at least some plausible explanation of why that turtle is sliding into home plate from the wrong direction so th- thank you for that dan <laughs> yeah
2: I, I it couldn't possibly be a mistake if that, that could, that's the only explanation that makes any
1: sense so. i love it okay. um we we spoke we have spoken many times over the years for uh, articles that I've written on sportslogos.net. You've always been very generous with your time, which I always appreciate. You shared with me uh, when I wrote this article uh, about the, the the when I wrote the story behind the nickname article about the Tortugas back in 2016. You shared with me some sketches. You mentioned sort of a turtle in a racing helmet. But there was also sort of a uh, a Ponce de Leon theme running through uh, some of these sketches. Can you tell me what that idea was?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad you you remembered that, because that's what I was thinking of when, when I knew we'd be talking about this today. Um, Ponce de Leon famously is known as the for- first Spanish explorer to not discover, because it had already been discovered, but to, to make landfall on... Uh, Is that what they call what Spanish explorers do? Make landfall?
1: Whatever. I think that's fair. (laughs) I appreciate the sensibility that you're expressing right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) um, Let's just say discovered, even though we know he didn't. The first Spanish explorer to discover the Southeast United States, uh, that was in uh, 1513, I believe. And he landed halfway between... Uh, St. Augustine and what was it, Melbourne Beach, and that's right where present-day Daytona Beach is. Um, He continued his journey after landing there and doing whatever he did once he landed. He then continued his journey south, where he eventually got to the Dry Tortugas, which are located, I believe, 60 miles west of, of Key West, and uh, they're named the Dry Tortugas for two reasons. Number one is the dry part comes from the fact that there's no, wa- there's water completely surrounding them, of course, but no, what do they call that? Potable water, potable water mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. on the land there. It's it's dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also he, that's where he, he discovered, he discovered, I believe, captured 160 sea turtles and, um, which in Spanish are called Tortugas, which is how the Dry Tortugas got its name, and in turn how the the Daytona Tortugas got their name, and credit where credit is due. Uh, That name was originally proposed for another Florida State League team that was considering changing their name. They ultimately decided not to change their name. Uh, And unfortunately, that this great name was sitting on the cutting room floor until the Daytona, former Daytona Cubs came to me and with the idea of potentially naming the team, the Loggerheads or the Leatherbacks. And I said, you know what, I think I have something even better and presented the name Tortugas that was uh, then presented were bandied about internally by the, by the club. And they said, love it. Let's do it.
1: So Dan, you said uh, you wanted to give credit where credit was due the, the name Tortugas itself. Where did that come from?
2: Well, that, that came from Kurt Hunzecker, who is, he now works for major league baseball. Prior to that, um, he, he worked for minor league baseball where he developed the the Copa de la Diversión program. Oh, fantastic! Uh, and so I was having. I've been a friend of his for for years and years. And at some point, when I was working with this uh, with this other Florida State League team I mentioned um, that was considering changing their name, I was telling him about it, and he said. I've got the perfect name for them, and the name was Tortugas, which, as I mentioned, I presented to them, and they didn't end, end up changing their name. So, so that name just, as I mentioned, uh, remained on the cutting room floor. But that was that was Kurt's idea, and fortunately, we were able to resurrect it for for the for the Daytona Tortugas, where it probably makes even more sense due to the the. Um, connection with Ponce de Leon.
1: Well, and then the Daytona Tortugas, their Copa brand is the Daytona Tortugas, uh, because right. it's already a Spanish language word.
2: Yeah, you couldn't say that we we were, we, the Daytona Tortugas were a, Co- a Copa brand before that program even existed. So yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it was in effect the first Copa identity uh, not knowing that someday there would be Copa de la Diversión.
1: I just want to ask you about some of the the design decisions. Um, you settled on a a, a, tor- a a sea turtle with a uh, with a baseball bat, and I guess the the difference technically between a sea turtle and a and a tortoise is you know fins versus feet. That's one of the main main differences, not just where they live. Uh, so he's got in his fins, he's got a he's got a baseball bat. He's got this you know this sort of sly look on his face. And then this color palette of the, the light blues and then the different shades of green uh, is not typical, right? Like it's not the typical complimentary blue and orange, right? Like this is a, a much more soothing color palette, but it really works so well for this team and this brand. So I realized this is, again, it's the thing I do. Uh, I ask long questions, but in terms of just you know coming up with this very endearing character and this really soothing color palette uh, that has been so well received can you (laughs) this is the this is the dumb podcaster question can you comment on that you know what what was your thought process on on uh on those uh decisions
2: well that's not a dumb question at all this for every sports brand identity that's developed color is one of the things the, the color palette is is one of the things that has to be determined and it's an important part of the the brand identity system when I work with teams, I will ask them many questions, and one of them is with regard to color, and I ask them if they have any preconceived ideas regarding what types of colors they want to use. And if they have preconceived ideas, I'm, I'm happy to uh, uh, to incorporate them into the, the color palette. Uh, a friend of mine, an illustrator named Paul Rogers once said to me something that's resonated to to this day. He says there are no bad colors, and you know, look at look at uh, the San Diego Padres. Um, they've got brown in their have brought back brown to their color um, system and their identity. And the reason they brought it back is because the the fans apparently were clamoring to to bring back the brown. So. And, and I don't think any Cleveland Browns fan is gonna complain about Brown. So if you can make Brown work and, and be beloved by the fan base, yeah, you can make any colors work and, and work well. So um, in the case of the, the Daytona Tortuga's identity, the, um, the, the team said specifically they wanted to incorporate a bright or a lime green. Um, as far as the other colors, the, the, the blue, uh, now you've got water. So then <laughs> the ocean and, and so using a blue was, uh, was something that was, um, naturally going to be part of the brand identity system. Um, and then the dark green, uh, that ended up being, I'm trying to think if that was me suggesting that, or the team suggesting that I honestly don't recall. Uh, I just know that it worked well with all of the colors and came together. All these colors came together for what is for any sports team brand identity, I guess, a pretty unique color palette.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, and and like you said, there's not that many turtles out there uh, in the sports world either. So this is this is absolutely just a a terrific brand. Uh, Dan, thank you very much. And I'm sure we'll talk soon.
2: Your calls are always welcome. I love talking with you about baseball branding.
1: Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody. Surprise. It's the surprise post-title sequence. I am super glad to be joined right now from the Sea Turtle Conservancy, Sarah Rhodes-Onde, Ondi, who is the Community Stewardship Coordinator at the Barrier Islands Center on the Archie Carr National Wildlife Refuge. And Sarah, thank you so much for being here. I have, I have a couple questions for you, if you don't mind, just for, for fans of minor league baseball, but also fans of sea turtles. First of all, can you tell us what are, what are the, the qualities of a sea turtle that make it a good minor league baseball uh, mascot?
3: Well, just like a sports team who may have fallen behind in a game, some species of sea turtles are making a comeback after serious degradation due to human threats. Green turtles, for example, were heavily fished until conservation measures such as the Endangered Species Act were put into place. Green turtles at the Archie Carr National Wildlife Refuge in Melbourne Beach, Florida, where I work, have made an amazing recovery, and their population has grown exponentially in recent years.
1: So I thought you were going to say, because I, I know when I showed you my cap here, I'm wearing my sea turtles cap right now, and you said, He's very intense for a sea turtle. And I thought maybe sea turtles are just, you know, they're so laid back. They're just, there's not a lot of pressure there. My, my, you know, my next question is, and, uh, I think this is something that has carried through with this, with this logo, whenever people see it, they always seem to to love it. Part of that is sea turtles are just cool, right? Like, like sea turtles just engender goodwill. So what is like, why are sea turtles so cool? Why do people like them so much?
3: Well, sea turtles are an ancient species. They have been on Earth since the dinosaurs. We're talking millions of years. So we've had a lot of time to connect with sea turtles. Um, they live in nearly every ocean in the world, except the really cold ones like the Arctic and the Antarctic. That just and makes them
1: smart. To me, that makes them smart. If they, you know, they're, they're in all the warm oceans, I'm fine with that.
3: Me too, Paul. Absolutely. <laughs> I stick to the warm oceans too. That's why I live in Florida. <laughs> They're hatchlings as well, they're adorable. I work on a prime sea turtle nesting beach where hatchlings are abundant. And we're also an injured hatchling drop-off location. And we deliver nest dig excavation programs that occasionally release hatchlings to the ocean. And people really connect with hatchling turtles on a deep emotional level. Hatchlings symbolize hope that this endangered species will continue to make a comeback despite major odds, including habitat loss, climate change, development on their nesting beaches, poor water quality, and abundant entanglement hazards in our oceans. And adult sea turtles are beautiful and graceful underwater. They inspire people to wanna protect them and their habitats. Watching a sea turtle on a reef or in a seagrass bed is really a calming and peaceful experience. And I think this is why people really think sea turtles are cool, these emotional connections.
1: You've made the point several times that, that sea turtles are endangered for lots of reasons. What can what can baseball fans, what can can the average person who doesn't work at the sea turtle conservancy do to help with sea turtle conservation?
3: Paul, there are many things that we can do to help conserve sea turtles, making behavior changes to help sea turtles, such as avoiding single use plastic bags, it would be a great help. When plastic bags float in our oceans, they look just like jellyfish. And jellyfish are the primary food source for the largest sea turtle in the sea, the leatherback sea turtle. So avoiding those single-use plastic bags can really help our turtles. Um, Eat sustainable seafood as well. There's a seafood watch app put out by the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and it actually color codes the type of seafood that they encourage us to eat based on how many of those fish are left in the ocean and whether they're using turtle excluder devices when they collect these fish. Um, Are they aquaculture raised? So sticking to the seafood items that are on the green list can certainly help our sea turtles. Keeping lights off, if you happen to live in a coastal area or you're visiting the coast, try to keep your cell phone off, especially if you're there during turtle nesting season. Something as simple as a light on your cell phone can disorient a hatchling or an adult turtle. Turtles look for the brightest point on the horizon when they're trying to make it out to the ocean and on a naturally lit beach that is over the open ocean. So again, please keep those lights off on the beaches. Climate change is a huge threat to sea turtles. We're already seeing more female hatchlings on our South Florida nesting beaches, and that's because they have temperature determined genders. So the hotter it is, the more female young turtles we're going to have, the cooler it is, the more males. And so decades down the road, this could have a huge impact on turtles. So things like driving less and biking more, putting less carbon into our atmosphere will really help our turtles in the long run. If we see trash wherever we are, pick it up. Um, Trash due to the watershed concept, when it rains, it washes into our waterways sea turtles use both coastal estuarine habitats as well as the open ocean throughout their life cycle. So it's really important that we pick up this trash. We found microplastics in hatchling sea turtles. Turtles ingest plastics and they get really sick. And if they're lucky, they'll end up at the turtle hospital, but some of them just don't make it. So picking up this trash wherever it is can really help conserve our sea turtles. Another thing we can do, if you live in an area where there are conservation organizations, go volunteer. If it's, you know, if you're in a sea turtle region, definitely reach out to your nearest sea turtle organization. We are in desperate need of volunteers. The pandemic has kept a lot of our volunteers home because they have pre-existing conditions and we really need your help. So come on out and support your conservation organizations. And another thing, if you're able, make a donation especially to a nonprofit organization working to save sea turtles like the Sea Turtle Conservancy. We are the oldest nonprofit organization protecting sea turtles in the world. We were established in 1959 by Dr. Archie Carr. He was the UF professor who was credited with starting the global movement to protect sea turtles. Our mission is to help sea turtles survive by protecting them and their habitats through research, education, conservation, and advocacy. We continue to sound the alarm on threats to sea turtles and lead the movement to de- protect them, with a focus on Florida, the Caribbean, Costa Rica, Bermuda, and Panama. Check out our website at conserveturtles.org and follow us on Facebook. Our handle is conserve turtles and conserve turtles bic for my branch location.
1: I found you also on Twitter uh, at conserved turtles, so you've got brand synergy there with all of your handles. Sarah, thank you so much for all of the important work that you're doing. They're amazing, graceful, gentle, beautiful creatures. Uh, They make an awesome baseball logo, and they're just such an important part of, of our world, and you're doing amazing work, and thank you for what you do.
3: Thank you, Paul. Thanks for bringing the Sea Turtle Conservancy on today. We're very grateful for the opportunity.
1: Absolutely, and that's it for Baseball by Design. Go Tortugas!
0: You got serious thrill issues, dude. (laughs) Oh, awesome.